Darker Days of Dorothy Gale Chapter 3 Beatrice Year 30 B.T.W. Before the Wizard Beatrice was young when she met Nicholas. She was young when she married Nicholas. She was young when she was taken away from Nicholas. Beatrice sat down on the front porch of her home, which sat on the edge of the forest. Across from her, Nicholas was studiously whittling away at a small stick. She looked at him for a moment. She loved him. He was indeed her knight in shining armor. She took her pencil, tucked beneath her red hair and behind her ear, and placed the tip of it to the coarse paper in her notebook. The charcoal left a thick black line on the paper as it formed the contours of Nicholas's face. Two small almond-shaped eyes formed on the paper. Inside, two small circles formed the irises, and smaller circles yet formed his pupils. When she sketched him, she always tried to capture the perfect look in his eyes. They were deep and somehow sorrowful, even when he was happy. The circles that formed inside the circles, whether on paper or on his physical self, always drew her into them, like caves that had potential to be terrifyingly dark, yet somehow safe and comforting. You done with that picture yet? Nicholas asked in a tone of playful annoyance. Are you done shaving that stick yet? Beatrice replied smartly as she continued with the portrait. Nicholas just smiled in return and went back to whittling the stick. Beatrice loved her husband. She loved him more than words could ever describe. It was not just a physical love, though there was plenty of that between the two of them. She loved the way his thick, brown hair lightly spilled out from under his hat, the way his eyes would occasionally narrow as he whittled meticulously on the front porch, the way his large, masculine chest would rise and fall with each breath, or the way his illustrious beard would shift when he smiled even slightly. She loved the gruff, but gentle, soothing sound of his accented voice and his hearty laugh whenever he saw or heard something funny. She loved the way he matched wits with her every day, the way he was not quite as smart as her but would occasionally manage to be right. She loved the challenge that was Nicholas, and Nicholas loved the challenge that was Beatrice. They rarely fought, and even when they did, it never got out of hand, and almost always ended with a, you're right, from one or the other, and a kiss on the cheek. It was a love Beatrice swore could transcend space and time. A love 
she could not imagine living without. As she looked back down at the paper, she noticed something wrong with the picture. The contours of his face were not the contours of his face anymore. Instead, they formed an apple. The almond-shaped eyes were not eyes after all, but two perfect leaves attached to a small stem. The textures and short strokes that had formed his hair formed wilted leaves and vines. She closed her book abruptly and looked at Nicholas as she returned her pencil to its proper place under her red hair and behind her ear. I think I'm gonna go for a walk, she said. Would you care to join me? There was a nervousness in her voice that seemingly fell on deaf ears. She was not asking because a walk sounded good or because she even really wanted to take a walk with Nicholas. She was asking because she felt somehow compelled to go into the forest. She felt a sense of unease. She knew whatever it was that was reaching out to her. It would take her in a heartbeat. She did not want to go, but she did not have a choice in the matter. Nicholas glanced up at her. That's okay, he said. I think I'll just stay right here. You go on ahead and enjoy the day out there. And I'll go on ahead and enjoy the day right here. An involuntary smile crept across Beatrice's face before she stood up. She watched Nicholas for another second or two before going inside. As she tried to fight the urge to go out into the wilderness, she gathered a few essentials. A picnic basket, a blanket, and a small knife. She made sure to grab her pad of paper as well, before going back out to the porch. Picnic? asked Nicholas upon her return. I don't know yet, Beatrice replied, slowly and nervously. I think I might just find a quiet place and sketch. Never hurts to take a basket. Who knows what I'll find out there? She was hoping he would see her supplies and change his mind about going. No such luck. She opened her mouth, wanting to beg him to join her. But somehow the words got stuck in her throat. Well, don't be out there too long. You know how the forest is after dark. I'll be back before the sun even thinks about setting, Beatrice said with another forced smile. I promise. Her voice cracked slightly, and she held back tears as she leaned over and gently gave Nicholas a loving kiss farewell. After about five minutes of wandering through the woods, Beatrice found herself lost in them. She had only been lost in the woods once in her twenty-eight years of existence. And that was when she was five years old. 
she had wandered into them, much the same as today, heeding the call of a silent siren. That day as a child, she found herself crying and screaming for help. Papa! Papa! Tears streaming down her cheeks, the sound of her voice forced itself through the woods as though it had a mind of its own. Her words weaved in and out of the trees, pushing through the leaves in utter desperation. An entity desperately trying to help the little girl it belonged to, stopping only when it met the ears of her father. Upon hearing his child's cry, Beatrice's father rushed into the forest, and like the child's voice in reverse, he weaved in and out through the trees and leaves, not stopping until he found his daughter. She was no more than a child's five minutes away, a man's three minutes away. He picked her up with his strong arms and held her close as he surveyed the woods for potential dangers, a collider or a wolf, but there was nothing of the sort. He looked into her fear-filled eyes, his filled with the same fear. What's wrong? What happened? He asked urgently. Are you okay? Did something hurt you? She returned the look and sniffed, rubbing the tears from her eyes with one hand and gripping her father with the other. I was lost, she said. I thought I would never find my way home. That I would never see you again. Her father's eyes changed from fear to sympathy to joy to relief in the span of only two seconds. Beatrice, <laughs> he said with a light-hearted laugh, you are not lost. He turned and pointed her back in the direction of their home. There was a large tree in front of them. He tilted a little to the left revealing their house in the not-too-distant distance. He then tilted her to the right, and she saw around the other side of the tree, again to see their home. She let out a small laugh and looked at him apologetically. No worries, Beatrice, he said kindly as he set her down. As he knelt to meet her eyes, the leaves on the forest floor crinkled and cracked beneath his weight. So long as I am alive, I will always come to your rescue. Beatrice smiled at this and sniffed a little more. But, her father continued, living out here, near the forest, you must be aware of your surroundings. Always keep an eye out for the way back home. Never go farther than you feel comfortable. And never, never pick the fruits from the trees or trust the creatures or beings you meet out here. The forest is a beautiful place, yes, but it is a dangerous place as well. For every god in the world out there 
He pointed back toward their home. There are three devils in here. This time, he looked past the child and deeper into the woods. Understand. Yes, Papa, replied Beatrice, and never had she felt so loved and protected in her life than at that very moment. Never had anyone ever given her advice that she took to heart with so much care and sincerity. Today, fifteen years after his death, the strength and safety he once provided was replaced with that of her husband. Today, she found herself unable to see her home, no matter how far right or left she leaned around the trees. Nicholas! she screamed. Nicholas! Her child's voice was gone. It did not carry through the forest any more. It did not weave in and out of the trees. It did not push through the leaves. It did not frantically search for the ears of her beloved. And it did not echo at all. She knew she was in trouble. She jumped, startled by the sound of leaves rustling in the trees accompanied by the sounds of a young boy's cries much like her own so long ago. Help! Help! Beatrice looked around, frantically searching for the source of the voice. It seemed as though it was coming from all around her. She turned to see a young, well-dressed boy rushing to her. He grabbed her by the hand and swung her arm around her back, peeking out cautiously from behind her. Beatrice stood still, looking ahead, waiting for the imminent danger. A cold breeze flowed through the forest, brushing by her and the boy. Her heart pounded so heavily in her chest that she knew it had to be both audible and visible to anyone that looked her way. She swallowed the fear and braced herself. She firmly planted her feet on the ground. Her muscles tightened and contracted, forming rock-hard barriers between flesh and bone. The boy gripped her arm tightly. His hands were cold. So cold, in fact, that Beatrice found herself shivering. Not from fear, but from a drop in body temperature as the coldness from his hand spread to her own and continued to spread throughout the rest of her body. Nothing was happening. No creatures appeared to be chasing the boy. No villain of which this child should be afraid. She looked down at him, softness in her eyes, fear in his. What's wrong? She asked, and she brought her arm and its carrier back around in front of her. The boy looked up at her. The witch, he whispered. She killed them. All of them. Mother, father, sister, brother. He was crying now. His grip loosened as he fell to the ground. Beatrice looked down at him, 
not sure what she should do or say. He appeared to be ten, maybe eleven years of age, and was wearing what you, dear reader, might describe as his Sunday's best. He was clad in a bright green vest. His pants were green as well, though they were a darker shade. Beneath his vest was a white shirt. It had noticeable red splatters and splotches on the arms. The splatters and splotches that were absent from the green fabric of his vest, resting atop his blonde, hair-covered head, was a green hat with a bright, fluffy yellow feather resting on the side of it and tilting back to keep the wind from catching it. The witch? asked Beatrice. She heard stories of witches, and supposed they must be true, though she never really gave it much thought or consideration. The words of her father rang in her ears. For every god out there, there are three devils in here. His warnings about never trusting creatures or beings in the living forest ran through her head as well. But this was only a child, a desperate child, a scared child, just as she once was herself. What harm could he possibly do? Certainly, this boy could not be a devil.'